Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Hui Chen Bui. I'm a USA Today contributor and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker also in the D.C. area. Sadly, Anya is not with us today because she is on vacation in New Zealand. In Middle Earth! I know, having the time of her life visiting Hobbiton today, actually, so... Um, she'll send us pics later, I'm sure. Yeah. And by today, we mean tomorrow, because she's in the future. <laughs> exactly. Like, I think it's like 18 hours ahead. Other side of the world, yes. How was it on Monday, Anya? <laughs> um, so today, why don't you introduce our topic, Willoughby? Okay, so last week was the Oscars, the Academy Awards, the big, the big movie night of all nights. Uh, and so this week is our reaction episode. We're basically going to you know talk about what we liked, what we didn't like about it, and and, you know, how this contributes to the ongoing diversity crisis that the Academy is in currently. Mm-hmm. Perfect introduction, Willoughby. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start at the beginning. What did you think of Chris Rock's hosting? I thought it was, to use a millennial term, a little problematic. Because mm-hmm. he definitely addressed the Oscars so white hashtag, um, you know, protest uh, boycott that has been going on, but he kind of did it in, in, he didn't, it was strange. It was kind of like an exclusive way. An exclu- he, he was only kind of talking about African Americans and, but, and he wasn't really being inclusive with other people of color. Exactly. Um, and it was kind of weird because at some point he brought on small Asian children and made an Asian joke. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're addressing this really controversial diversity topic, and then two minutes later, you go ahead and you, you know, basically throw, take the rug out from under yourself, and it just seemed really uncomfortable and really odd. Like, what did you think of it? Uh, yeah, to recap, this joke um, Chris Rock made during the introduction of the PricewaterhouseCooper accountants, who every year they bring out, and it's a really boring segment where they're like, oh, here are the accountants who, who count up the... the um, winners and stuff, um, and he decided, I guess, to spice things up by making a joke out of it, and he brought on three Asian kids uh, and basically made a Asians are good at math stereotype joke and then a child labor joke by saying, like, oh, if you're offended by this joke, just tweet about it on the phones that these kids probably made. Um, so, and the kids obviously, like, they didn't say a word. They were very confused about why they were They were really there. young, too. They were really young. They were, like, five-year-old kids, um, and it was just, like, it was in poor taste, um... And also, it was very ironic considering how he was making the night all about diversity, but then completely made an Asian joke that wasn't in in good taste and wasn't even that funny. No, no. It was like, like you could have avoided this completely. Yeah. Um, and then, like, later on, um, Sasha Baron Cohen made an Asian joke as well. I think a lot of people missed this because people were angered by the minions. Um, but essentially, he was um, presenting, I can't remember what award it was, but he was saying, like, oh, what about the awards for, like, the little uh, yellow men with, like, tiny dongs? Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, I'm talking about the minions, of course, and everyone laughs. But he was in, I know he was, like, in character as one of his characters, but it was still really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't excuse, like, what his what he was saying. Yeah. It was just, like... He was trying to, he was just making a joke and it was really bad, really poor taste. Yeah. So basically, Asians are shit on, were shit on that night. And like, as a Vietnamese American, I was not really happy with it considering how well I thought Chris Rock was doing actually up until then mm-hmm. with like 
his uh, talk about Black Lives Matter, and like it's also the sketches that he did. I really like those those skits where he like inserted like black actors into like the Best Picture uh, nominees. Then, then again, there were like only black actors. Yeah. There was no mention of any other minority, um, Latinos, Asian Americans, um, Southeast Asians. Uh, Middle Easterns, that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it was ironically a very black and white conversation mm-hmm. that he was having with the audience. Yeah. So that was. I mean, other than that, I actually really enjoyed Chris Rock. He was really funny. And oh yeah. I thought, like he, like even his Girl Scout cookie joke, which was like a little weak for me. Like I think it was like kind of a attempt to recreate Ellen's selfie. Yeah. <laughs> like ever since she did that, every host has been trying to do an Ellen selfie yeah. since then. But I think that. You can't capture lightning in a bottle twice. No. So, and apparently, like, the, the amount that he said he raised wasn't even the amount. Oh, yeah. I heard it was a complete, like... Lie. Not lie, but just, like, a joke, like, yeah. or something, but... It was fun seeing all the celebrities eating Girl Scout cookies oh, yeah, no, it was in great. the audience. It was so great, because I think that, that, like, you had one of, like, Leonardo DiCaprio just, like, eating cookie, Girl Scout cookies and then vaping, I think. Yeah, just, he looks so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, at the end of the show, there was this really great viral moment where um, Morgan Freeman came onto the stage, or, like, he had just presented Best Picture, and then, like, Chris Rock came onto the stage to, like, quickly do a goodbye, this is the Oscars, that kind of thing, um, outro, and then Morgan Freeman just, like, walked up, took a cookie from, like, Chris Rock's hand, and walked walked off the stage. He was just like, I'm done. I'm out, guys. Yeah. He knew what he wanted. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think overall Chris Rock could have done better, mm-hmm. but he was funny. Like, he kept he kept, he kept, kept it up. Like, mm-hmm. he kept the jokes going. Uh, he could have been a little bit more inclusive with his jokes, but I think the jokes he did do, besides the Asian joke, were pretty funny. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, let's talk about the winners now. Yes. So... Let me pull up the list of winners that we have, thanks to Google. Yeah, Google has this really cool thing where you just Google Oscar winners, and mm. it just shows you an entire list of everyone who won last, everyone. Th- last week. Everyone! So, let's go to the te- technicals first, because okay. that's where our favorite movie of 2015 is, and that's Mad Max Fury Road. It swept everything technical. Yeah. It won for Best Makeup. It won Best Sound Editing. It won Best uh, Production Design. Best... Uh, film editing, it won Best Sound Mixing, which is different than sound editing. It did lose out to Ex Machina on Best Visual Effects. But... Which was a kind of an upset, because, yeah. I mean, Ex Machina is great, and mm-hmm. but it has such a low budget that, you know, it's not... It's very rare for a, a movie like Ex Machina to win something like visual effects. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were thinking it was going to be Mad Max Fury Road or Star Wars mm-hmm. The Force Awakens. Yeah. Um, in fact, Star Wars The Force Awakens usually, or at least Star Wars movies, when they're made, they usually get the sound award. So it was really incredible that Mad Max kind of like went in and swept everything um, with that, except for visual effects. I was actually happy about, I wasn't mad about <laughs> Ex Machina winning Best Visual Effects, because I really love that movie, oh, and yeah. I'm happy it got any recognition at all. Yeah. Um, Ali Vikander should have gotten nominated for Ex Machina. And people are always saying, um, well, we'll get to this, but she won Best Supporting Actress, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think that she she really kind of won because of her, her both performances she did this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, excluding the Man from Uncle, which is a is a good movie, but yeah. she that's not an Oscar worthy performance. Yeah, but she's the it girl of the year. Yeah. She and Brie Larson. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next one. Uh, 
So what one for? Oh, best cinematography went to The Revenants. Yes, um, a lot of people wanted Roger Deakins, including our own Anya. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of leaning towards both. I wanted Roger Deakins to win because he so desperately needs one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, um, one of the not defining factors, but redeeming qualities, I think, of The Revenant was its cinematography. Yeah. So, not anything else. <laughs> and it's kind of funny that Lubezki always kind of, he pushes what he does. Like, mm-hmm. Gravity was all, you know, long takes in space, mm-hmm. and a lot of, like, the way that they filmed it was interesting, and then last year's Birdman was, you know, his groundbreaking. groundbreaking and famously known for its, like, kind of trying to do one long take, even though you could clearly tell if you were looking for it, you could tell where they cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, they he pushed himself by trying to do all-natural lighting in The Revenant, um, which seems to be kind of becoming a trend because The Witch was filmed in all-natural lighting. Oh, I did not know that. Yep. Um, I'm scared of The Witch, honestly. I, I'm like, <laughs> oh. it's of getting so many so much rave reviews, but I'm so terrified of horror movies I can. I might, I might have it. to watch it on like a Saturday day on demand <laughs> with every light on in the house. Yep. And like making sure that it's sunny out and that the dog is not barking at anyone. <laughs> and I'll just be cool and then watch like a thousand episodes of Parks and Rec afterwards. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah. Um. So Lou Vesky, we're both pretty happy for. I know Anya was just. Would not be happy. We'll, we'll speak for her for yeah. now. Um, sorry, Anya. <laughs> um, next one, Hateful Eight got its one win with Ennio Morricone. Sorry, Ennio Morricone. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. yeah. For his uh, best original score. Which is funny because he, he, this is his, I think, first Oscar? It's his first Oscar. So. After getting a be- uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Which is kind of like a big F you mm-hmm. to saying like, okay, so you never gave me an award except for this, you know, Lifetime Achievement Award. And then Quentin Tarantino comes in saying, I want you to do another score. Yeah. And then he comes in and then he wins the Oscar it finally. a really good score too. Oh yeah. The like, Overture itself mm-hmm. probably won the award. It's It recalls like a lot of iconic themes that you get from classic movies like Jaws or Star Wars where you like really remember that score and it, like associated with that film. It's just like, it it sticks with you and it, it gives you chills oh, yeah. too. I like it a lot. Um, and he got a standing ovation too when he won, like uh, which is very rare for a person who's like winning, I guess, a more technical award. Mm-hmm. But he's very um, appreciated in the movie industry. Like if John Williams had won for Star Wars, which they 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 pointed out that this is his fiftieth nomination. Wow, he has more nominations than any other person alive right now, which is startling. Um, if he had won, I think I feel like he and he and Ennio Morricone would have gotten. They both would have gotten standing ovations because, mm-hmm. like, if John Williams had won, that would have been incredible because it's like he's John he's, Williams. He's done everything. Like, yeah, like I was talking earlier, like Jaws and everything like that. That's all John Williams. Yeah, we just so. Li- <laughs> so we just listed off a bunch of John Williams scores yeah. when we were talking about Ennio Morricone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's next? Uh, oh, Mad Max also won best costume design. Yes, it did. Um, Jenny Beaven. And uh, there was, like, a little bit of controversy when there was a vine showing her going up and, like, a bunch of people weren't applauding. But apparently it was just, like, coincidental. Yeah. It was, like, a five-second in the midst of all of the... And people were also noting how she wasn't, like, wearing, like, a traditional feminine dress. She yeah. was wearing, like, a, a leather jacket. But it was awesome because it, it was a mad mag Yeah, jacket. it was bedazzled with the skull that was from the Morton Joe. Yeah. Oh, another thing about all the Mad Max wins was that all of the wins were by women. Well, except for one, I think. Except for the sound, I think. Yeah, but which is, like, 
pretty monumental for mm-hmm. a movie, like especially an action movie. All of the technical and the editing and stuff like that was done by theme, by women. Yeah, and Margaret Siskel, who won Matt for uh, Best Film Editing, is actually the wife of George Miller. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think initially when he was do- shooting the movie, he chose her because she's never really direct, uh, edited an action film before. And so he wanted someone who's coming from the outside perspective and bringing in, like, how can we keep this film cohesive and not make it like every action film where it's just, like, bombarding you with effects and, and story. If we, and if we haven't praised Mad Max enough, mm-hmm. we'll just say that there was uh, someone post- pointed out that if you speed up Mad Max um, by like twice, you know, going twice as fast, it's still cohesive mm-hmm. because of how the how the editing just works, and it's just such a brilliant film. And it's I'm really, I'm really glad it swept the technical Oscars. Yeah, because it's such a technically perfect film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, next, let's see. Um, Inside Out won Best Animated Feature, which was, you know, predictable, but deserved because it was the best animated movie of yeah. last year. And people were pointing out how Anomalisa should have won or mm. or should, or if Inside Out wasn't part of this year's nominations, it would have won. I didn't like Anomalisa. I'm sorry. I, I liked it for its technical achievement that it did with the... Um, you know, with the, with the puppets and everything that was that about it, but I just couldn't connect to any of the characters. I completely agree. I actually, I almost hated Animalisa. Like mm-hmm. other, I just hated the story. It was a story that's been told so many times in like movies, television. Just like the disillusioned man who is doesn't know what to do with his life, and he's stuck in a rut, and he meets this woman. Blah blah blah. It's really Charlie Kaufman. It's very Charlie it's Kaufman. Co- I like Kaufman, but like. And like the only the only thing that was interesting about it was like its visual appeal, like the groundbreaking use of puppets and everything like that. And that was cool. But I just like I so despise like that kind of story because it's been told so many times, and I could not connect with any of them. That I just like I I was like seething during the movie. And, and even me, a white man, just did not like the main character because yeah. he was just it was so traditionally like I'm depressed and I'm a genius at the same time. It was male angst oh, to gosh. the max. It was like yeah and ironically Mad Max was had a lack of male angst. I know. It was all- Except for Tom Hardy's Mad Max was kind of like he was, crazy but he was crazy but his angst was like only told through the hallucination so it was yeah. fine. It was on the side which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Whereas um, this was forefront. Ugh. Okay yeah. And so- full frontal. Yeah. There's awkward puppet sex. Yeah. I I was I had that moment where I was just like, I'm watching puppet sex. Yep. I mean like other than like how stunning it is visually, it's just like I didn't like that movie at all. If it was an if it was like a live action film, I would have been even, I, it would have been written off. Yeah, I would have hated it even more. I'd be <laughs> like, This movie was not worth my time. Yeah. <laughs> um what was I gonna say? Animalisa. Yeah. I mean I usually like Kaufman. Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind is my favorite movie. Um and a lot of it, like a lot of his movies, are like visually appealing and insane. But I don't know. I feel like they tend to have more of a twist to it than just like uh, guys thing contemplating cheating on his wife, blah blah blah, because he's tired of life. But whatever. My rant against Anna Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, like Inside Out, on the other hand, is perfect because it's like completely universal in terms of like how it depicts emotion and that kind of stuff. And, and depression. And depression. Um, I was actually watching it and I. I kept thinking, like, this is how uh, a lot of, like, abused kids, I feel like, would go through, like, the process of just, like, shutting down their emotions and that kind of stuff. And I thought it was, like, really poignant and, like, a lot deeper than it initially appears. And, yeah, it's, it's such a cathartic 
cry at the end. Oh, like, yeah, and uh, Bing Bong. Yeah. I'm just going to say Bing Bong. You know, like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit controversial and say, like, I liked Bing Bong, but I thought he was a little bit emotionally manipulative. Oh, yeah. yeah and, I like, I didn't really cry during, like, the whole Bing Bong scene. I did. But I, I <laughs> cried at the part where they, well, spoiler, they reunited, mm-hmm. like, she and her parents. And, like, because that was just, like, the cathartic moment for me where it was, like, all this emotion was was building to a head. And I was... It's so beautiful. Ah, yeah. Inside out. I mean, I definitely got caught up with the emotional manipulation of mm-hmm. Bing Bong, but I I was just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it all, I also cried at the very end of that with the um, uh, the family reuniting. Oh, and that was like, that was like, oh my gosh. I under, like, it, 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 it made me understand like, like what, what like sadness really is. Mm-hmm. And it helped kind of like in, uh, under, me understand like, Oh yeah, happy memories also have a sad part, but that's also like the the good part because it makes it's it, they basically showed a very visual distinct distinction of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It was great. Um, so Inside Out can't give it enough praise. Yes. Um, the next one we will talk about. Oh, I haven't seen Amy. It Me won neither. best documentary. I heard it's very deserving of that. I heard so too. I know like. Uh, Amy's father was not really happy with its win because he wasn't depicted really well in mm. the movie. So he was, like, griping about that after the win. But, like, other than that, it's, I'm sure, well-deserved. Um, I only listen to, like, Amy Winehouse's hits, like, Rehab and stuff like that. So I can't say much about her music. But, um, yeah, I'm sure it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Screenplay, the first spotlight win of the night. Yes. Um, not the last. Uh, but very few for a winner for spotlight, actually. But uh, best original screenplay was deserved for it. It's very well written. Mm-hmm. Very suspenseful. Uh, the big short won best adapted screenplay, which I'm really happy about. I, I think we should point out that Adam McKay won best ad- adapted screenplay, who has also written such classics as Anchorman. I'm happy for Adam McKay. <laughs> I think like I think this is a good thing for him. Yeah, validation. Hopefully, maybe he can now get over doing Wall Street movies and do something maybe either just different because mm-hmm. he did the other guys, which is a great movie, but it's also about Wall Street. Um, oh, I guess it was. Yeah, at the end of it, the big conspiracy. Yeah, of that. I forgot about that. But and so and now he's done that with. And now he did the Oscar-nominated version of that, which is The Big Short. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what Adam McKay can offer us, because The Big Short was much more interesting and out of the box than I anticipated. That's the only one I haven't seen, so I really can't comment. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun depiction of Wall Street's uh, (laughs) 2010 crisis. Um, Okay. Next is Son of Saul for Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, Neither me or Willoughby have seen it, but I know Anya did, and she was not completely in love with it. She, I remember she told us about it. She was like, oh, like there were a lot of close-ups and it was kind of jarring. Um, but I don't really know anything else other than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our next, our next, the next winner is probably the least deserving mm-hmm. of its win. Uh, Writings on the Wall, which won a Best Original Song um, by Sam Smith. Sam Smith. And mm-hmm. Sam Smith's entire night was kind of like this weird hot mess. Yeah. Because <laughs> first he sings Writings on the Wall, mm-hmm. and he's not singing well. Nope. And, and I understand he had surgery like a, a while ago, mm-hmm. and his vocal cords might not be completely up to the task. And so did Adele, and she sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think we were talking about this before the podcast, but um, Skyfall, like... The song won uh, best uh, 
best, original song. best original song. <laughs> and the movie was amazing. And so mm-hmm. the song was amazing. And now Spectre comes out. And I, I heard the movie was dismal. Mm-hmm. And this song is all, equally dismal. Yep. Because so, so they were, like, it feels like they were trying to capture what Skyfall, what, what, what they... The original song, yeah. yeah. What they did. And it just sounds like a really, like, a poor man's Skyfall. Yep, essentially. Which apparently is what... Was Spectre was yeah. with Skyfall, so um, yeah, and his, his and then his nom- when he won the nom- when he won the the, the award, mm-hmm. he gave his speech saying that he was like the first uh, openly gay man to win the award, mm-hmm. and that's not true. Nope, it was not not a lie. I keep saying it's a lie. It was a mistake that he made. It was a mistake, but it was just sort of like you know people prepare speeches ahead of time. Yeah. Like people always joke like how they don't, mm-hmm. but they do. They do. People he could he could have googled mm-hmm. who won. Yeah, like they have that ticker. Like you know who you're gonna thank, so yeah. you might as well. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how, what did you think of the ticker, by the way? Um, first, I didn't realize that it, that it was the thank you ticker mm-hmm. that they announced for like two minute, two times after they had played it because I thought it was like I don't even know what I thought. I, mean, I thought maybe it was like a newsreel, <laughs> but it, it was the thank you ticker. But it went by so quickly, and, you can read and, pe- and people were still th- and people were still thanking people in mm-hmm. this in their speeches. Yeah, and getting played off, so it was like yeah, it's kind of pointless. It was just it was really weird, and it kind of it, it hurts the lesser awards. Like we could talk about how Louis C- Louis C K was talking about best um best short documentary, mm-hmm. and how you know this is the greatest night for these people, but it may not be for the bigger awards mm-hmm. because, you know, these these guys have won, you know, they're richer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he made this joke how, saying that, you know, this Oscar is going home in a Honda Civic. <laughs> and I love that joke because I, I used to have joke. a Honda Civic. <laughs> it was perfect because it was um, a documentary, so, like, essentially journalists and broadcast journalists. And I was like, I, I, I empathize with that. Yeah. I know. But, like... <laughs> If you know, if I made a doc, a, a short film documentary, and it won an Oscar, like that would that would be amazing for mm-hmm. me because that's where I'm at in my life. Is yeah. that something like an Oscar would be amazing? It's like peak. It would be like yeah, peak. yeah. But some people, the Oscar is just the beginning. Yeah, or it's just like another show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So we were talking about the end of Sam Smith's yes performance. Uh, okay. Um. So do we want to move on? Yeah. So Sam Smith probably not the least deserving of all the winners here, but you know it's fine. Uh. Lady Gaga should have won because um, for it till it happens to you, she did an amazing performance during mm-hmm. the Oscars where she brought out a bunch of uh, sexual assault survivors um, on stage with her, and it was just so emotional. Got a standing ovation. Lady Gaga once again proving that 2016 is her year. Mm-hmm. Only like three months into 2016, yeah. she is killing it. Every award ceremony she's been at, from the Globes to the Grammys to now to Super Bowl to the Super Bowl as mm-hmm. well, yeah, um, and. Yeah, so she should have won for that. And so you want to move on to the... Sure. Also, I just want to say I unironically love love Lady Gaga, so good for her. Um, Next one. The best director went to Alejandro Alejandro Inarritu for The Revenant. And it probably, in my opinion, should have gone to George Miller, who directed all the people who won the technical awards. Yep. I think that it honestly should have gone to George Miller, too, because he directed such a great film with Mad Max. We've heaped tons of praise on it already, but yeah. the directing it was phenomenal. I, and I, I really, like, I always had kind of half-joked that I wished Mad Max had swept the awards. Mm-hmm. And I really kind of, at this point, do believe it should have, because it's really hard for genre picks to win uh, Oscar nominations. And it's, it's even more rarer that they, they sweep. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last one that did that was The Lord of the Rings Return of the King. It was, yep. Um, where it won 11 awards. And then I think the one before that was, was that Ben-Hur or was it Lawrence of Arabia? Probably Ben-Hur. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, so it's, it's really rare that movies like Mad Max or Lord of the Rings can get a ton of nominations like that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Mad Max ha- basically, it won the night because it won six awards. Yeah. No one else won that many. Yeah, it won the most awards of all the movies. Um, and I just, I wish that George Miller, who who had, you know, was in charge of ev- everybody who had won these awards. Yeah. And his excellent direction in Mad Max. And let's just say that he brought back uh, franchise that he like he originated with the first Mad Max movies um, in the 80s and he just brought it back to the modern era and made it even more amazing. Yeah, and he had a budget this time. Like if you look at Road Warrior, mm-hmm. um, the second film of the Mad Max uh, movies, it was it's very much in line of like how the, the Mad Max movies are. The first one is very, it's actually, it, t- it takes place like right before the, the, apocalypse. the apocalypse. It's very much an exploitation film, actually. Yeah. I think that's what, how it was originally filmed. And so Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, is very much in, it's very like, you know, set around car cha- long car chases in the desert in the Australian uh, outback. Mm-hmm. And it's, and you know, people in leather jackets, like George Miller created the dystopian uni- uh, aesthetic that mm-hmm. we all like, take for granted with modern movies now yeah like he's the reason why we why everyone thinks that in the future we're just going to be wearing like leather lots of leather lots of leather there's a there's a joke in the new sponge in the old in the new old spongebob movie that came out last year where uh immediately uh after some crisis happens it goes it turns into a mad max universe and mr krabs just turns to squidward and goes i hope you like wearing leather mr squidward <laughs> and i'm like what is happening maybe leather like wards off nuclear radiation or something or it's like magic leather that's like i think it just pr- protects people from the environment and you also look cool and so. you look cool <laughs> it's just it's, but it's hot in the yeah. desert. It's yeah, that's weird. what I was thinking. I'm like, they yeah. all look so hot. Like, why do you wear so much leather? <laughs> all right. Um, but besides that, you know, too, like, he directed Birdman last year. This is second win in, in two years, which mm-hmm. is, like, historic, I think. I think it's unprecedented. Yeah. Or it hasn't happened in, in 50 years. Yeah. Um, and, like, he's a great director, but I just don't think that The Revenant, his direction for The Revenant truly deserves it because, honestly, all he did was, like, throw Leonardo DiCaprio in, like, a snowy tundra and just throw, like, all these terrible tortured at him. Mm-hmm. Like, if you win for, like, like beating up and torturing Leonardo DiCaprio, I guess that's a way to win. And that's a way for Leo to win yeah. the Oscar somehow. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I just think that, you know, it was glorified torture porn. It was. It was just, like, like I said before I saw the movie, it felt like this, um, oh, what did I say? Uh, something about masculinization, the, um... Yeah. The, uh... Oh, I can't remember the word now. Oh, no. Oh, no. But you had... You Fetishiz- I remember now. The fetishiz- fetishiz- Fetish- fetishization of masculinity. Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know if I can edit that out. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's go to the next one. Okay, so the next one we kind of talked about was Alicia Vikander for mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actress for The Danish Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about how... She was she, excellent in Ex Machina. Excellent in Ex Machina. I actually haven't seen The Danish Girl. I don't know her, how well she did, but I, um, but I do know that she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. So 
she is probably deserving of it. Yeah. I liked her in Ex Machina. <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't seen her in Man from Uncle or from Danish Girl, honestly. The Man from Uncle is like is like a cute action movie. Yeah. And and like everyone looks like they're having fun. Henry Cavill looks like he's having the most fun. Oh, he should have fun. He deserves it. <laughs> ah, I just like I wish that Zack Snyder would let him have fun in the in the Superman movies because he just looks so miserable the entire time. <laughs> There's an EW uh, the latest EW just came out, and it, you can either get the one with Henry Cavill's close-up or uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Henry Cavill one, he just looks like he, the, his eyes just scream, help me. Yeah. Or, like, the fact that they're basically staring at each other very, very lovingly. Oh, A lot yeah. of romantic tension going on yeah. there. Yeah, it's really easy to Photoshop them into... Uh, A Nicholas Sparks poster. Uh, which I saw on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, All right, back to, the, yes. back to the show. Okay, so the next winner was uh, Best Supporting Actor, and that went to Mark Rylance of Bridge of Spies. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Bridge of Spies. Willoughby has. Yes. Uh, I really liked it. His performance is incredibly subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people were thinking that Sil- Sylvester Stallone was going to win for Creed, uh, but I, I truly think that uh, Mark Rylance did a better job, mm-hmm. which, which makes sense because he won. Um, it was really subtle. There, he, there's like a three beat where, uh, throughout the movie, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's never nervous and Tom Hanks is like, you know, he's like, why aren't you nervous? And he's like, would it help? <laughs> and he says that line like three times and it's great because each time he does it, there's so much more meaning behind each one. Uh-huh. Um, cause it starts out as like a kind of like a running joke between him and Tom Hanks. And by the end of it. Tom Hanks' character, you mean? Tom Hanks' character, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I forget his character. <laughs> and I don't know Mark Rylance's character's name either. <laughs> the movie itself was kind of forgettable. Okay. Uh, although, if you watch it, it's actually really enjoyable, mm-hmm. but it's not Spielberg at, at his best. It's yeah. not classic. It feels by the numbers. You yeah, think? it's very... Like, you could tell it's going to get an Oscar nomination, but it's not going to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, because we we'll talk about that. Yeah, um... um uh, Anya was also a really big fan of Mark Rylance's performance, and I think she actually preferred him over Stallone. So I, if she were here, I think she'd be very happy about it. Yes. Um, actually, I would have thought that I should have, I think J- Jacob Tremblay should have gotten nominated for Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actor. Yeah. He, if he was nominated, he, he should have won. He would have won, I think. Um, he would have been like one of the youngest. I think the youngest yeah. actor to win. Um, he's only like, what, nine? At this point, I think he's nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was amazing in Room, and I think he actually was better than Brie Larson at some points, because he carried the movie. Yeah, he. Re- I mean, it was kind of like, it was more about his story. It was his mm-hmm. narration. Yeah, it was his POV. Um, but speaking of Brie Larson, she won for, for best, Room. For, for best, best Actress. Yes, yeah. and she totally deserves it, too. I think she was the strongest of the nominated, so... Mm-hmm. Happy for her. I love Brie Larson. I'm so like proud of her too because we first saw her in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World yeah. as Envy Adams. And she's she's she before that she was doing like or around that time she was doing a lot of like niche movies mm-hmm. and a lot of indie movies like Short Term Twelve, which yeah. is one of her best performances. I actually haven't seen Short Term Twelve. You should. It's, it's on, on Netflix. Netflix. It's so good. <laughs> so I keep getting told. Yeah, I will watch it. Um. And so, you know, it's kind of, and she was on Community for like four, couple, four or five episodes, mm-hmm. and she was like Abed's girlfriend. So that was really funny to see. It's just really fun to see her go from like, kind of like an indie darling to like mainstream actress. Yeah. Best winning. Mainstream darling. Yeah. Mainstream. <laughs> um, and she had been playing like high schoolers in indie films for so long, too. Oh, no. Like, just, like, just recently, yeah. the most, I think the most. 
the spectacular uh, now. Spectacular now. And I was like, is, hasn't she been playing high schoolers for like five years now? How old is she? Yeah. Then she came out with Room where she was playing a mother, but you know, of still a young mother. Still a young mother of like explainable circumstances in the movie. So, um, yeah. Well deserved Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. And then the big one of the night, we would we would argue. <laughs> Went to Mad Max. No. <laughs> Went to Leonardo DiCaprio for best actor. For the revenants. Which, you know, it's I feel like it's one of those cases where an actor who has deserved it for, for previous roles um, wins it for a role like he doesn't really deserve it for, but like I mean he did great in this movie. Great. And he's he was like done better. He's done better. Like he should have won for the Aviator back when. Yeah, that was I was just gonna point that out. Yeah. I re- I recently rewatched that a couple years ago. Good. And he that should have he should have won for yeah. that. Um, but he was like the front runner of all the nominations, and I don't think anyone else could have won. No. So Leo, everyone's so happy. The meme can finally die. Yeah. But now there's a new meme of Leo winning the Oscar. Yes. <laughs> it is that it is the internet meme? Yeah. Um, I, there was actually apparently a um, a mural or something like that, some graffiti oh, yeah. in I think L.A. where they like said you can do whatever you dream, and it was a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio when it's, with his Oscar. Yeah. He's so cute. Well, I think it was like never ever give up. Yeah, never something, give up. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, that's, I'm glad he's finally the yeah. win, because we can finally kind of, like, move past that. I know, but I'm so happy for him. Oh, he's, yeah. He's my boy. Kate plus, was congratulating plus, him. Yeah, Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio are, like, the best friends of Hollywood, and it's amazing, and every them. picture, I'm just like, that's, they're the best. She teared up when he won, and they he, hugged each other. And, and now they're, they're Oscar-winning best friends. I know! Ah. Kate and Leo forever. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the, there were so many great reactions to Leo's win. Um, there was, you know, like, the standing ovation he got in the room. Mm-hmm. And then, like, his, you see his, like, happy face. Like, he was just, like, so bashful and happy. I was like, I feel so proud of you, Leo. It's weird to actually see him smile genuinely. Yeah. Like, I feel like we either see him, like, his roles are always really, like, dark. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, he never smiles. Mm-hmm. Or when he does, it's, like, a fake smile on the Wolf of Wall Street. But this was, like, a genuine, like, Leo smile. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you kind of forget that he's, like, a real person. Yeah. With, like, real hopes and dreams. And <laughs> he's he actually a person. He's he, not, like, Leo, the... Yeah. The, the poster icon. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm happy for Leo. Now that he's won an Oscar, I want him and Kate Winslet to do a rom-com together. Just like, yeah. he doesn't need to try anymore. It doesn't And it doesn't need to be Oscar-worthy. It could yeah. just be the two of them hanging out. Yeah. It, it, they could be like a suburban mom and dad trying yeah. to live their life. Exactly. Um, so next, the last win was is for Best Picture. And drumroll, would you like to announce? Maybe? Yes, it went to... Spotlight! Yay! It did not go to The Revenant. Thank God. Uh, Anya would be here uh, raving Cheering. about that mm-hmm. because she did not like The Revenant. Yes, I am decidedly anti-Revenant as well. I'm I ambiguous about it. Yeah, I didn't hate it as much as Anya did, but I just I thought it did not deserve all the love that it got. And, like, mm-hmm. It definitely was the one movie of all the nominees that I was just like, I hope it doesn't win. Which is really funny because that was the front runner. Yeah. I feel like at, at some point... Um, all these movies that were coming out, people had decided that The Revenant was going to be the front runner, where mm-hmm. it it should have been, and deservedly it was, Spotlight. Yes. Spotlight won. It's a great piece of just movie journalism, and <laughs> a, definitely a rallying, rallying cry for journalists everywhere who were you know writing their listicles on why Spotlight is the best movie. 20 <laughs> reasons why Spotlight was should win. Yeah, exactly. With 20 different emojis. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, 
there's different kinds of journalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people were like, oh, you know, you know, they were, I mean, I'm all for Spotlight, and I'm all for journalism, mm-hmm. but people were kind of conflating the idea that just because Spotlight won for some for investigative journalism, they, the people are talking about how, like, you know, nowadays journalism is just emojis and listicles, but it's not. It's still, there's still, like, in the in-depth journalism that goes on yeah. with, like, Boston Globe Spotlight. Obviously, yeah. And I'm just saying, if you guys hate that stuff, stop clicking on it because that's how yeah. we get our traffic. It's- just saying, as the person who writes those kind of articles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Spotlight is well-deserved. Like Anya said before, um, technically perfect film. Mm-hmm. Just a great ensemble, great casting, so suspenseful. Um, we'll go down as like one of the best journalism films of all time, I yes, think. Yes, uh, definitely. It's going to be up there with All the President's Men... Um, trying to think of another one. Uh, <laughs> all the presidents men. Um, he's going Friday. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's a bunch that right now we can't name. Uh, what? I, I'm just thinking of that one in, that we watched in the 70s class that was like, I'm mad as hell and I can't remember the name. Oh, that's Network. Network. Yeah. That's it. Network. There's Broadcast News. There's, yeah. Um, Anchorman. Anchorman. No, I'm no. <laughs> there's plenty By of Oscar, great... Oscar winning. Yeah. Oh, um, Freedom Writers, which is like not really a journalism film. Um, I, I really like Shattered Glass, actually, mm-hmm. it's, which is a movie about Stephen Glass who... Um, uh, plagiarized tons of stories that he wrote and, like, made up half of them. I heard about that. Yeah, it's actually really good. Hayden Christensen was surprisingly good. That's the Hayden Christensen movie! I forgot that that was him. I watched it and I was like, that's Anakin. He's surprisingly good in this movie. I don't know how I feel about that. That that was, like, his last movie after Jumper, and I think he quit movies. Yeah, he actually did. He's, like, living on a farm now or something. Eh, That's fine. He's a farm boy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's gonna have a son. I hope he needs a son, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) He will not. No. He's done. He's gonna be gone. He's away from Star Wars as long as possible. Yep. Um, so that's it for all the Oscar winners. Um, yeah. Do we have anything else we want to add about it? Um, I'm really happy that Mad Max won all the ones and Met Spotlight won. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope to see... I, like, I'm excited to see what Brie Larson and Leonardo DiCaprio can do mm-hmm. in the future now. Especially Leo, because now he can kind of focus on maybe not doing like movies that'll get him killed for mm-hmm. the Oscar. Yeah. He was close to getting killed this time around. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy they stopped him before he did. Because, like, when he did Django Unchained, which he wasn't even nominated for, he, like, broke his hand. Yeah. He was nominated for a Golden Globe, and that's it. Yeah. That's so annoying. And I think he won the Golden Globe for that, right? He... I think he... No. He... No, he did. Did he? Yeah. Oh, no, was that for Wolf of Wall Street? He did, because he made a joke about how it was a comedy. Yeah, but he um, first off Waltz won for um, oh, yeah. Golden Globe, because I remember, like, being really mad about it because Christoph Waltz was like basically playing the same character as he always does in Tarantino yeah. movies. And Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio never plays a villain. Yeah. So it was really interesting to see him in that role. And he was really good. Yeah. And he injured himself. And he, he kept going. Yeah. And like that's the take that's in the movie. Yeah. He smeared blood all over Carrie Washington's face. Was that this, was that his or was that fake at that point? That was his blood. Uh, that's why she was so horrified in that shot because she was like. I, yep. did, I thought they had because I knew they cut away and I thought maybe that you know movie magic yeah actually the, that horrified fa- look on her face is real oh man <laughs> what a scandal ah! <laughs> alright <laughs> we're not on here we're like a little bit we're kind yeah. of kids okay <laughs> um, let's move on then to the last segment yes of oh well I won't, one last thing I want to say about the Oscars is that even though a lot of the ones that um, won did deserve to win um, I'm really excited 
looking forward to next year when we actually do see more diversity. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed, because we had this problem last year, and that yeah. did not get fixed at all. We thought with Oscars so white last year, mm-hmm. oh, there'll be more people of color nominated this year. Mm-hmm. And we were wrong. We were wrong. So, here's to a better future. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that'll wrap up our segment on the Oscars. Let us know what you think ab- um, about the Oscar winners, Oscar losers, Chris Rock's hosting. But before that, let's move on to the last segment, um, our I Really, 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 Really Like You, uh, where we talk about our favorite things for the week. Yes. Willoughby, why don't you go first? House of Cards. Mm. Season 4 premiere was on Friday. Um, after a lackluster season 3, uh, season 4 is really building up to something great. I'm only halfway through, but uh, in episode four of season four, th- like, everything changes. Like, big, like, monumental shit just went down. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go into any further details because, as you know, everyone's watching it right now. Yeah, no spoilers because I actually haven't watched it yet either. Yeah. Um, but at, for House of Cards in general, I've always kind of really liked the show. Um, season one, for some reason, took me like a year to get through. Mm. I think I, I think I just like would watch an episode and then get caught up in doing college, and then like I finally like sat down and binge watched like all of season one during like winter break before season two came out. Mm-hmm. And then you and I actually watched like the first half of season two. Yeah, was, that was on Valentine's Day. I was also no season three. I watched Hungover, but season <laughs> two we watched together. Yeah, um, and season two I I really liked for the most part, it got weirdly complicated with, like, the, the, uh, like, the, like, the dark web, uh, Lucas Goodwin storyline. I hated that storyline because it felt like something out of a 90s hacker movie. Yeah. Like, what is going on? You could just hear the guy who from, who plays, uh, one of the hillbillies in Always Sunny, you could just hear him go, I'm it, (laughs) when he's hacking or something. Like, it's just, it it got weird. Um, but season three, I think for the most part, was very character oriented and the plot was kind of just it just it just didn't move. Season uh, three was so boring. And I, I hated season I three. I had to just binge watch it to get through. Mm-hmm. But the very last moment of season three, I mean it had me like and I was anticipated for like I was like, wait, what? I drew your seat. Yeah. Uh, like and it was like the literally like the last moment of season three was mm-hmm. great was like you know, you were kind of wondering, like, well, how is this going to end? Like, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. And then that happened. And then I'm like, ah! And so season four is, like, you know, the consequence of that. Um, and it also continues the 2016 election. And we could talk about how the th- there's stuff that's happening in the 2016 election in the House of Cards universe mm. that, you know, people are always making the joke, or people have been making the joke that, the real life 2016 election is much more outrageous than anything in the, in in the show, and for the most part, that's actually pretty true. Which is so sad. <laughs> yeah, which is really weird. Like, there's they don't have like a Trump character. Um, there is a Republican candidate that we haven't really gotten to know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but for right now, they're like still focused on like the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not a fan of. House of Cards season three, it like really fell off the rails for me because it was just so boring, and mm-hmm. I almost like it almost stopped me from watching. Like I was considering not picking up season four this year, mm-hmm. and like I heard better things about it, so I was like, mm, maybe I'll pick it up later. But I'm honestly like not hyped to watch it. I was in the same position, and six episodes in, I really like season four more. Mm-hmm. So okay. I would I would give it a chance. Okay, streaming on Netflix now. Yes. All right. What about you? Well, I really, really, really like. Prepare for 10 minutes of Willoughby sighing, because this is about Big Bang. 
It's been X amount of days since I've last talked about Big Bang. We, the board goes back to zero. Um, they are a K-pop boy band that I have mentioned only twice on this show before. On the on the podcast. On the podcast. Willoughby follows me on Tumblr, unfortunately, and sees it every day from me, like my love for Big Bang. But my really, really like for them is relevant because they were just on the front page of the Washington Post style section. Ooh. Mm-hmm. There was an article about them from like the Jap- Japan Bureau editor, and she wrote a, she like interviewed them and was talking about their impending enlistment to the military and how that what that means for their future as the biggest boy band, or rather the biggest supergroup in Asia. Mm. You know, they actually sold out in Japan more than any foreign artist, including Taylor Swift, wow. One Direction, Beyonce. That's pretty incredible. I know. <laughs> Um, they are successful and beautiful, and I love them. <laughs> I kept the Styles section article, and I'm probably going to post it in my, like, work office. But it was actually a really interesting article, because, like, technically, South Korea is still at, wor- at war with North, North Korea. So mm-hmm. every um, South Korean man has to enlist for two years in the military. Um, so what does this mean for, like, a lot of the celebrities who all have to enlist? Um, basically, a lot of them, like, their, their careers don't continue afterwards, or they, like, continue doing, like, television shows and that kind of stuff. But it's kind of sad because, you know, it's in it's something you can't avoid, but at the same time, it's, like, what it's hard to get through that kind of stuff. And overall, it's a weird conflict that most of Americans, at least for most of my life, I didn't realize that the Korean War was still happening. Oh, like, because it's not, like, active-active. It's not, they're not, like, it's not, like traditional war mm-hmm. they're like in an armistice they're in a right? stalemate they're yeah. a stalemate mm-hmm. um our involvement in the 50s that's over like yeah. th- that's i guess that in my opinion i was like oh well it's over because mm-hmm. i'm an american i'm you know whitewashed american i'm like mm-hmm. oh, okay let's mm-hmm. do it. we're not part of it must be done mm-hmm. no i'm completely wrong nope. um so it's really interesting how you know they're kind of having to deal with that still ongoing yeah um although like now it's kind of of to bring world politics into this sorry yeah. guys it's kind of escalating now because kim jong-un is making all these nuclear threats to america and um basically readying like <laughs> nuclear war uh, sorry guys making this a bit of a bummer podcast um but one fun thing that the south koreans did when like all this like talk of nuclear escalation was happening is that over the the border they they played Big Bang song, Bang Bang Bang, <laughs> over the border, which is an excellent song to play against North Korea. Jeez. <laughs> it is, has an insane beat drop. It's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really love them. And uh, so basically their time as a boy band may potentially be ending. They may reunite afterwards. Who knows? But they'll all be like in their 30s. Um, the oldest right now is 28, so he has to enlist. They all have to enlist before 30. Um, or like they have to end their like their enlistment in like at thirty two. So he's doing this this year, and then they're all like staggering their enlistment by a year. So they won't be together as a group for like five years oh, almost no. if they go come back together at all. <laughs> and they just had this weekend. They just had their final tour, like concert tour in Seoul, Korea. Um, and. I saw it all on Tumblr, and I'm really <laughs> emotional over it, and it was just so beautiful, because, like, everyone, all the celebrities were there, because, like, in terms of, like, their status in the Korean music industry, they're, like, if Beyonce was a boy band, because everyone idolizes Or if Beyonce it. was still part of a girl band. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't even know if, like, Destiny's Child was, like, at that level of fame that Beyonce is at now, because... I would say no. No, no because, like, every idol, like, every artist and celebrity in Korea 
loves Big Bang, and they like are starstruck by them whenever they're in the same room, which is kind of sad because Big Bang's just like, we want to make friends, but everyone's scared to approach us. Oh, man. <laughs> and they're beautiful, and yeah, G-Dragon is my favorite, and he will probably... Uh, well, they all probably ha- they have solo projects in the run. Like they actually all are um, really successful so- solo artists on their own, but they all- always come back to Big Bang. Like G Dragon is especially known for like kind of revolutionizing a lot of Korean music. Like he brought on the EDM trend that is currently taking over Korean music right now. And Taeyang is known for like his insane stellar vocals, and he's kind of a more mainstream pop artist in their end. I'm just rambling. Willoughby's giving me this look like, why are you still talking about this? All I know <laughs> are like the three videos that you've shown me. I showed you one video. One video. One video? Yeah, I showed you, I showed you one you showed video. You, well, was that the same one with, the Clo- with Chloe Bennett? No, I didn't show you that. You oh. just, I, sh- I showed you one, and I was like, do you want to watch more? And you're like, no. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> I'm going to show I'm gonna show more today. jeez. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really sad about it. So it's like a bittersweet really, really like. So I'm happy that they're getting all of this recognition from the Washington Post, no less. Um, and just like... And they've toured in America, right? They've toured in America. They were in uh, L.A., Las Vegas, and New Jersey. Like, and him... Uh, one outside of like New York, um, and they're also in Mexico too. Um, so any Canada ones? I think they were in Canada at one point, like Toronto probably. Yeah, um, but they're they're so I'm so I'm so happy but sad at the same time. I love them. <sighs> okay, and it, it continues the tradition of HT getting involved with something and then it ends because you've been doing that happens to all your TV shows. It does. It's really sad. Like whenever I get I like get obsessed with a TV show. It is on the. It becomes on the verge of cancellation. Like when I got obsessed with Chuck, it was like, oh hey, guess what? The writer strike is happening, and also Chuck might get canceled. Yeah. When I got obsessed with Fringe, hey, Fringe also might be canceled. Community, that also happened. I got in Community late, and like you got, got in Community in- literally the season that they had like a hiatus in season three. Yeah. So I'm a curse. I'm sorry, Big Bang. This is all my fault. I love you. <laughs> that's my. That's my really, really, really like. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Um, so, Willoughby, where, oh, wait, if you have thoughts, um, on, like, the Oscars, like we said, on House of Cards, on Big Bang, or K-pop in general, please let us know, and Willoughby, where can they let us know? Uh, they can find us on Facebook at the, at the Millennial Falcon, if you search for us in their search bar. Uh, we're at Falcon Podcast, <laughs> at Falcon Podcast on Twitter. Uh, our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And we're also on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us. Um, and where can they find you on the internet? I am at htrenbui on Twitter. And I am at Willoughby Dubs, also on Twitter. And Anya is at Anya Quintinen. Yes. Can't say your name. I'm sorry, Anya. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Yes. Bye. Bye.